Lydia Cornell, and welcome to God Shots. Our show tonight, we have an amazing guest, Vinnie Keller. He's the author of two books. One is called Lost Life and the other Struggling to Survive. He had two open heart surgeries, 15 strokes, had to learn to walk and talk all over again, PTSD, depression, and then two cancers. He had several suicide attempts and suddenly he's back full force and he's going to talk about his story, how he overcame everything and what gave him the, the motivation to live. What inspired him to live? Now, a God shot is a moment of uncanny synchronicity, something that's too random to be just a normal coincidence. Einstein said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Our show focuses on the positive or the upside of life and how to find those glimpses, peek behind the curtain at the invisible harmony of all the good going on here and to stop dwelling on the bad and how to overcome fear, loneliness, despair, devastation, pain, self-sabotage, suicidal depression, recovery from addiction and drugs, anything you're going through. There are spiritual tools, mental tools, emotional tools, and you'll find them here on God Shots. Welcome to the show. And hi, Darlene Sperlaza, my co-host. And hi, Vinny. I just want to hear it from your mouth, what you went through and what year it started. I think it was 2001 when the... Right. Sorry, in 2001, uh, August. Um, I wasn't feeling well. Actually, no, it was it was hot in the office at the AC shut down. And I went in our stock room to uh get some supplies and I passed out. So when it came to, I you know, I told my boss I wasn't feeling well, I just wanted to go home. So I drove home, not even remembering I drove home. I don't remember anything, but I got home. I had to go to the Jersey Turnpike, which is you know, could be bad. And Route 18 is a bad, <laughs> bad highway too. I got home, I called my wife, I told her I was home, I wasn't feeling good. And then um, I called out sick the rest of the week, which I don't remember. And um, that weekend was coming, it was my you know, my oldest son, so we only had the one son at the time, it was his birthday, and we were having a party, but I still wasn't feeling well. And um, my father-in-law took me to a hospital, St. Peter's in New Brunswick, and they did some testing. And they said it was a viral infection, you know, go home, stay home a couple of days. But then I had gotten worse. And my wife called my father because my doctor lives in Rosa Park. I was living in uh, Spotswood at the time. And um, my father came down, picked me up. I had my doctor's appointment the next day. And he said that when the next day came that I wanted to take a shower because I was hot. And you know, my, my father said that my legs were so wobbly. If I was in a shower, I'd fall down. So he put me back in bed, called 911 up. Ambulance came. They took me to a local hospital. My family doctor came because he heard about it. And him and the cardiologist did some tests. And they found out that I had endocarditis. I need my valve replaced. And he's seen other cases like it because he's a, he's like a, he was a very, you know, great doctor in the tri-state area. And, um, then they decided they didn't know where to send me for uh, had the valve replaced because no one around here really specialized in it. You know, they mentioned some hospitals and then it wound up sending me to the Columbia Presbyterian, New York. So I went there and, um, you know, I still don't remember anything. I just remember what I from hear from everyone. Mm. So, um, you know, the day the surgery came, they didn't want to do it because I had a fever. They didn't want to take a chance. 
but then everything starts shutting down on me. So they, they said, we have to do it. You know, either he's going to live or he's going to die if we don't do it. So I had last rites by a priest. Um, then I had the surgery, you know, I made it, I'm here. But during the surgery, I had, you know, 15 strokes. So I learned walk and talk again. That was very frustrating. Um, was that normal for that to happen? I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You were told that you had this many strokes. Yeah. And, a and heart, I would say that is not normal. No. Um, but obviously you had some, some difficulties going on while you were on the table. Right. Um, however you were, however you were, that was happening, whether you're throwing clots or whatever you were doing. So I can understand you're learning to walk and talk again, which I'm sure was quite stunning when you got out of anesthesia. It was, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't, you know, I, people are talking to me, I don't understand, or I can't speak. And then, you know, they're giving me a paper to write down my, my writing was like, you know, like a baby's writing. It's like, oh. you can't read it. I was getting so frustrated and mad at myself. And, um, you know. Can I, can I ask you a question, Vinny? Just a, a medical question as you're saying that, that you couldn't write, you couldn't speak, and you were becoming frustrated. So are you saying that in you, in your mind, you knew what you were supposed to be doing, but you could not? I knew what I wanted to say, and I couldn't get the words out. I knew what I, I wanted to do, but I, I couldn't do it. Wow. That had to be frightening. Very frightening. <laughs> yeah. And Darlene has a medical degree, so she's asking the right questions because she's probably seeing it from a different angle than I am. Right. Well, um, it, it's fascinating to me because as you as you as a patient going through that, right, we see it from a medical perspective one way, right. but almost being trapped like your spirit and your soul being trapped in that body that's not functioning, but yet you your cognizant of everything that you want to do just has to almost feel like you're in a prison kind of, and you want to scream and get out and you can't. Right. right. I, I'm assuming. So yes, that's you're right. Like you're right. And like to this day, I still have cognitive issues. I mean, it's just, it's just how my life is now. I mean, in what way, what kind of cognitive issues do you feel or how do you, you feel? Know, like, I remember when I went back to work, um, the things I used to do, you know, I had no trouble boom, 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 banging out one, two, three. Then I have issues and I had to like, you know, like um, ask for help, which I never asked for help. I just knew it. Mm -hmm. Or I have to like look at, look up the information and, you know, then I would get it. And then trying to do it, um, I'd have to do it a couple of times just to, you know, to get it. And it's just like, like with my son, my old, you know, my old son, um, trying to put something together, you know, take me a half hour or whatever to do it. And it's taking me hours. I'm reading. I'm not understanding. I'm getting like so mad. And right. but you know, like building a you know a paper like building a airplane or a yeah, you know, put a little, a little house together or whatever or, or a table. And you know, it's just wow. I wasn't me. I mean, you know, I I left that hospital and I, I came home, but I didn't come home. Oh. So you went into the hospital as one version of yourself. And you came out as something different. Right. Which, yes. And, and when I was reading what you had written, at that point in time, you really leaned on your children heavy um, because they were supporting you, like right. the family support that you were getting to get through this. Right. They were my focus to 
get get through everything. Now, during that time frame, Vinny, do you remember? Um, because you know what, when we talk about God shots, because of the basis of this show and God shots that we have of of actually recognizing God in the moment in an event a terrible event, a really good event. It doesn't matter. A lot of times you can just see God. And I noticed that you talked about God and your sons being your mainstays during that time. Can you tell me about the God factor and how you knew that no matter how frustrated you were, how much your life was changing, that you trusted God? Well, I, I know I know he saved me. He saved my life. And I think he saved my life to be here for my family. Um when I was having issues with a lot of things, I just, you know, I just thought that, you know, God's going to get me through this and help me get through everything with the help of my sons. Mm -hmm. So every, every setback I had, you know, it's God and my sons, you know, they were helping me. And, um, you know, then with my sons, for me to heal and be, be you know, become better, better for them. I just, they were my, inspiration to get but you it. went through some really trying times later when you had you felt the ptsd and you had some suicide attempts which that depression that dark depression you went through did you ever cry out to what you call god or a higher power or was, were your sons always the only higher power that you leaned on did you did you did you make a decision that it was okay to leave the planet at a certain I, point. When I was going through all that, I was in Jersey. I wasn't with my son. So I was like, I was at the point where I was just, I was going to give up. I, I didn't care if I died. So I was getting upset feeling that way. So I talked to my sons. I tell them everything. I told them exactly what I was feeling. So. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. So I asked my sons if they still need me. And hearing them say yes, you know, no matter how old we are, we're going to need you. So after hearing that, that kind of like set me straight. Oh God! I stopped doing the crazy things, having the bad thoughts. And um, that's why I say they saved me. They're my saviors. So wow. everything I do now is for them. You know, I still struggle. I still, you know. I still have bad thoughts, but not to a point where I want to, you know, end things. And when I feel that way, call the kids, Skype them, whatever. And that makes, that makes me feel better. You know, maybe it wouldn't work for others, but it works for me. And that's all that matters. I mean, I'm, I'm still here. I mean, it's a struggle still. And, you know, I'm hoping, you know, in the future, things are going to be the way I want them to be. And that's going to be, being back in Florida with my sons, you know, and they, they know about that. They want me there and I'm working on that. Um, you know. And the reason you're not back there yet is because you're still working a job in, in New Jersey, right? Right. right. So you right. provide income for the family. Right. I'm still, I'm paying a mortgage on the house. Wow. So that's why when I came back, I came back to my parents and at the time my father was sick. So I was here for him. You know, he's wow. gone now. So now I'm here for my mother. You know, she's got her issues. But I'm here, but you know, my future is down with them. Yeah. I swear and, I want to be. And your wife is still there. She's still there. Good. Yeah. So. So, but you went through three heart attacks 
a PTSD, several, several suicide attempts. Oh, two, and two heart surgeries. Two heart surgery. Two. Oh, my God. Cancer twice. Oh, cancer twice. Oh, this is unbelievable. You look phenomenal. Like you're just perfect. Well, I, mean, I was only stage one. So I wasn't, okay. <laughs> I wasn't even worried about that because of that. And I think maybe because of everything I went through with the heart surgery, because that's what took a toll on me. So hearing about the cancer, I was just like, you know, whatever, you know. Cancer's not that important. At this I point. mean, it was, it was stage <laughs> four. Yeah, okay. Yeah, things yeah. will be different. But I, I, you know, I knew I was going to overcome it. I had that in my head. See? And it's also because I'm very, I'm also at the point where I am because I'm very stubborn, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it allows me not to give up and keep pushing myself. And I get that from my father. So, you know. Silver linings. What are the silver linings? I think taking care of your parents might be one. You got to go home to New Jersey. You know, your kids are there on Skype all the time and you see them every three months. Right. And your parents needed you too. Right. And I came back, I came back to the same job. So, um, you know, so I was with my coworkers again and friends. So which, that was good. And, um, but even like, you know, like now the, my coworkers, you know, the ones I'm really close to, we, we, we all go out as a group. They see me as being different. You know, they ask me, you know, what's wrong. And I can't explain it. I say, you know what? Read the book. It's easier to write it than to talk about, especially the second book. It's all, I, I opened up more in that and it explains a lot more why I'm the way I am. So maybe, you know, they just start reading them, the books. So they haven't finished it. One coworker read it and she uh, she understood she and she could relate to it because of stuff she's going through in her life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of other people like with the first book, they relate to it because, you know, you don't have to, you know, be sick. It doesn't have to be a health issue. It could be something personal. Everything I said in it, it, it you know, people can relate to it. I mean, and, and you can overcome it all with, you know, if you focus on something, something that makes you happy, something's going to help you overcome. With me, it was my sons. Maybe for someone else, it's uh, another person or uh, something they like to do or a place they like to go to. Take your mind off of it and, you know, you get rid of those bad thoughts and, you know. We need something to live for. That's kind of the key is that something outside of ourselves to live for. Right. A purpose in life. Right. And yeah, that's really powerful. Let me ask a question, another question, Benny, just because I had this experience this weekend, so it's very fresh in my mind for me. Let me tell you my little story, and then, and then you can chime in here and tell me if you had an experience like this. So I believe, and Liddy and I have talked about this before on the show, I come in not only as a practitioner, but from a more, I don't want to say religious base because I know it's not about a religion. It's about spirituality, but I'm, I'm, I'm very strong in that. And I've always, I always look when I'm in the dark side, like where are your feet at? Because that's where you're supposed to be right now at this moment, there's a purpose, right? And sometimes we see those purposes. And I think sometimes in a situation like yours, when you're going through so much, it's a little bit more difficult to, to try to focus on that. But this past weekend, I had made a determination that I was going to go to an event 
And it was being held by what we call the TRO nuns here. It was a mother house and it was the mother house is full of nuns. That's where they all live. I've never, I've been to one before when my girlfriend was still alive before she died from cancer, but I've never, I'm not part of that community or anything. I just decided to go and they were putting on an advent event and two of my friends and I went, now this is the strangest thing. Um, I had um, as, as you know, or don't know, I don't know. We talk about it sometimes, but I am in recovery and I've been in recovery for 18 years. And, um, so I sponsor people and I do things and I had a girl that I dearly loved and I sponsored her and some things happened. And three years ago, she went in her own direction and I went mine. And it's very hard because it's like a family member, like leaving. Right. And that very morning, like I'm questioning myself. It's like, it's Saturday. I'm tired. Why am I doing this? It's eight o'clock. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> it's like one of those deals, but I made a commitment to people. So I was going to go, I'm in the shower into my brain comes that girl's name that I had separated from like three years ago. And I was like, oh yeah, hopefully she's doing well. Like I'm talking, like I have these committees in my brain that talk to me. Right. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it said, like one of my voices in my head said, well, you know, she's pregnant. And I'm like, well, that would be about right. She, you know, blah, blah, blah. I get to that event. I'm, I'm doing everything with my friends that we were there to do meditation and prayer and all of that. During the break, I get up. That very woman is running down the aisle to give me a hug. The one I was thinking about in the shower. It wow. gets a little bit weirder because I start crying. She starts crying. I haven't seen her in three years. I really missed her. And I told her, I said, this crazy thing happened this morning. And I said, I even think you're pregnant. And she goes, I am. I'm three and a half months pregnant. <laughs> so it's like, those are the moments when God I said. know that there is something bigger than me, right. no matter how sad I get or how depressed I get or how physically ill I become, there is a reason. And, and I try to be diligent to look beyond what I'm going through to find out what is the reason because you know what, I, I've learned this, that I don't go through anything that when I come out the other side, I don't turn around, hold my hand out and bring somebody down that path. That's just starting that journey. Hence your books, your life. How can you, you're going to touch people, Vinny, you're going to touch people that go through this, that don't know how to do it. You know, Vinny, hold up your books right now, please. You have them right there. Struggle, right. struggling to survive and lost life. That's the first one and struggling to survive. These are really, really riveting books. And what I love is that men, most men I know cannot talk about their feelings and you have broken that wall for men to be able to talk about their feelings. That's mm -hmm. what you might actually help. You may help men more than any other species. I think that's because of everything I went through. Because if, if I didn't, I wouldn't be like that. <laughs> I mean, I just think I'm more emotional now because of what I went through, you know, yeah. because it's very you know, emotional experience and, you know, the mental and physical, it all, you know, it all came together and it just, it just hits you. Your third book is going to be about the silver linings or the, the, the reason for everything is because you're helping others. And there's going to be, you're going to see more and more evidence that everything was in divine order. In a weird way, it was supposed to happen this way. Right. I think, I mean, I don't think there are any mistakes, right? you know, do you, do you think that Vinny? I think that it happened for a reason. It, it had to happen to me to, I don't know, I guess to, to help people, to talk to people about, you know, 
how you can overcome things and you know look what i went through you might be going through the same thing or even worse but you you can overcome it all if you if you try if you try and if you get help and you know yeah go ahead I was just going to say, I've mentioned on our show before about a neurosurgeon by the name of Eben Alexander, and I don't know if you've read his book, but um, Proof of Heaven is the name of it. And he was a neurosurgeon. So he had a lot of patients, like after he would perform brain surgery, that would tell him things that they had experienced, like after death experiences and those kind of things. And he just kind of poo-pooed him and thought, okay, until he got meningitis, and spent seven days in a coma and had an experience kind of like what you're talking about. You have that experience and, 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 and he is just followed by so many people because it's like the credibility, you know what I'm saying? Of a neurosurgeon telling you there's something much larger than us. That's running this whole show. Right. And I'm sure that now you see that because you have learned to talk and to walk again and you have your son's. And do you notice that, and, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm just being, um, I don't even know what word I want to say, so I'm just going to say this. Have you noticed, though, at your darkest moments, somebody or something is placed right there at just the right time to help you through that? Um, I know when, I, when I'm sleeping, I, I would have those dreams of what I, you know, what I did, and I would like almost like wake up like someone like shook me and I was like, you know, was that God or was, you know, I'm looking around my room. I thought maybe someone was in the room, but every time I had those dreams, I would, something will wake me up. What so, type of dreams? What, what what type of dreams did you have? About, you know, trying to end my life, the, you know, what I did, the driving or the sleep medications, um, you know, like like the, those. So he oh, he tried to overdose on sleeping pills. He tried many times to end his life, and it didn't work, which is interesting. That is very interesting. You're here for a purpose. <laughs> interesting. I'm here for my sons. Yeah, there is something though in your dark, like like when you're really depressed now. And I know, I know you talked about wearing a mask, and like we all do, and especially in showbiz, we wear this mask of trying to make everyone think everything's okay. Right. And what's really vulnerable, vulnerability is one of the most healing things for other people to witness, especially for men to be vulnerable and to say, I'm hurting. I, I'm going to cry. Like when you cried earlier, I started crying. It makes, it opens up people's hearts. And I really believe that may be the core healing mechanism in the human plane that helps others get closer to others and to, to, to each other. So you took off your mask and you've been able to be more vulnerable. And, you know, at this point, I would start doing public speaking if I were you and talking about the journey, because you're going to keep finding more and more. It's not like you have the solution right now. You're not supposed to have a complete solution. You're a work in progress like we all are. Right, Darlene? Darlene and I go up and down through. We still feel like we're carried or buoyed by this force of love, which I call God you know, good orderly direction or love, or for people who don't believe in, in, in the religious form, call it infinite love, call it this force that creates the beauty in the world. But something sustaining us because we keep pointing our head in the right direction and keep asking how, help mm-hmm. me. And believe it or not, next thing I know, there is some, when I trust the universe, 
It lifts me up. When I doubt it and put fear in the way, I take a few steps back and I fall. But you're doing something even without knowing it is keeping you here. Right. I I have different coping me- you know, mechanisms. And, um, you know, I I use humor. Yeah. And if you look at my Facebook post, it's all funny that's, stuff. I mean, that's true. Uh, um, I use humor or I, um, you know, things I like to do where, you know, I'll go to a movie by myself. You know, I enjoy it. It's peace and quiet. That's that's a coping. That's a mechanism for me. I mean, it helps me. Um talking to my sons all the time, you know, Skyping them. It, it helps me, you know, yeah. you know, I'm not there with them. They're still with me because I, I see them and I see, you know, you know, we're goofing off, whatever, you know, making fun of things. And, um, you know, it, it does, it helps me. And they know that, you know, we talk a couple of times during the day and we Skype every night and, and they, and they're fine with that because they wow. know they enjoy it. Cause you know, we make each other laugh. And they know they're helping me and they know it helps me. So they want to do it. And in a weird way, you may have helped them to become better human beings. Because teenage boys are not, listen, teenagers are not nice people always. <laughs> I have I my, I've written I comedy say, out of every but, tragedy. Uh, you know, I had, I, I can say mine are, they never got in trouble. You know, you know, one's 24, the other one's 19. They're both in college and they do very well. Never got in trouble. So I'm very proud of them. And, you know, I'm very happy of the way they turned out. That's so, but I do see other kids and, you know, I see things online and it's just, I don't understand, you know, kids today are just totally different when we grew up. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't get in trouble when I grew up. And I also, because I was related to the whole town, I had to watch out. So. so. Oh, you but, lived um, in a small town, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm half Italian, but all my family in town was all Italian. You know, my grandfather was a barber for 50 years. Everyone knew him. So everyone knew my family. So how fun. Love those types of families. That's just, yeah, yeah that is the best. I always wanted to be Italian. Big, the big gatherings at Christmas Eve, you know, that's a big celebration. You got like 40 people in my grandmother's basement. Yeah. You know, Italian, oh. you're, so, you're celebrating the basement. You didn't go upstairs. So and you was- know what? I'm hosting this year and I'm hosting Christmas Eve, and that's about the number expected 40. Wow. And you know, it, I know. And it's, it's, it's work and, and, you know, you get tired, but at the end of the day, you have all those memories. And I've got to tell you, Vinny, I don't know if it's the name, if it's saying New Jersey, if it's the accent, I'm just sitting here thinking about Sopranos. <laughs> I love that. No, great channel. <laughs> right. I mean, That's- I just want to come and live in their family. <laughs> no, when I, when I used to watch that, all the places they were at, I was at a lot of those places. I mean, I bet you were. Yeah. I grew up. And you know people like that. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's how it was. I dated a guy in the mafia. <laughs> and actually, one of my high school friends, it turns out he is in the mob, but we all love him. And we, you know, it's just a, it's a, a small part of the mob. Right. But um, I shouldn't say that on the Well, end. there is no mob anymore, right? <laughs> Not really. It, it's all fantasy. It's kind of alluring in a weird way. It's very movie. You know what? I don't know. I, I got to say this. And, and I mean, maybe... And I know we have listeners and viewers listening. And so I don't, I don't know anything about a mob, but this is what I'm going to say. This is what I heard just a couple of weekends ago. Cause you know, Lydia, that I went to Las Vegas, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I haven't been there in like 12 years and it was markedly changed. I mean, very different than the rich and famous playground that I saw 12 years ago. I mean, it was 
it was almost like Walmart on steroids. It was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's a great experience. But, but so I asked one of the ladies that was working there and she said she had worked there for 24 years. And I said, well, then let me ask you a question. I said, it's different. It's just different. Why? And she just looked at me and she said, the mob pulled out. She goes, when they left, she goes, all of the good left. <laughs> and so, and you know what? I, I just picture it like that, like one big family, you know, yeah. And that's just lovely. So, and yeah, Vinny, I can see that with you, like the whole, the whole big family and people supporting you. And, and, you know, now the nice thing is like, here you are, like, who would have thought that you're going to be sitting here with two women at seven o'clock Eastern standard time on December 8th, which is the immaculate conception. I might add that in for our Catholic viewers. It, uh, It is. And it's like, and think about that. I mean, and and I know I don't want to get this religious, but God chose Mary to be the vessel. She didn't think about that. She didn't walk around saying, I wanted to do that. She didn't <laughs> want to take a course to learn how to do that. She was chosen. And right. so when you look at yourself, Vinny, everything that you've gone through, you were chosen to do this, to go through this, right. to come out the other end, to be this mighty man that's going to help a lot of other men that's pretty powerful you have a mission and even if you don't want that mission right now and you don't think you're equipped believe it or not you are that's what i'm hoping and uh, you know i'm hoping my other plans work out and you know all we do all i can do is try so i don't try whatever i want it's not going to happen yeah and put your intention forward which is simply when you wake up go hey show me the next step Surprise me. Surprise me, God. You know, to me, a God shot isn't, well, a God shot is an uncanny moment of synchronicity where things match up, which go, whoa, there's got to be something more in the universe than just the physical, physical world. And now we've proven that through quantum physics, that there really is no solid matter in the universe. So science is proving that God as love is a real thing. And actually, they did some brain scans. I did an interview with Boys Town on Tuesday, um, a man who's sponsors, sponsored by Boys Town, the orphanage in Omaha. And they're using brain scans to prove the power that love actually changes and heals the brain. Love heals. It and if does. that isn't what, you know, the Prince of Peace came to teach us, I don't know what else is. Right. Think about yeah, it. What causes the endorphins in your body to, to change? And it's good. I mean, That's right. you know, we chase, we chase these feelings with drugs and alcohol and these kids nowadays, that's what they're doing. And, you know, I got to tell you guys, when I did that whole nun thing on Saturday, I felt like I stuck my finger into the major electric circuit because I had energy for a day that I could not contain. It was just really positive, high energy. I want to do that. I need to do that. Stick my finger to the thing. nunnery. <laughs> okay. <I'll... laughs> I love nuns. They do more service for. They the... sure do. They sure do. They're, they're just beautiful, beautiful people. I oh. will say that one of them, and and I love this little story. She came from I someplace in the Midwest, and I don't. I'm not going to say a state because I'll get it wrong. But anyway, she's a big horse lover. horses everywhere horses horses and she's always wanted to stand on the back of a horse with nothing on it 
And so here she is naked. <laughs> no, she had her habit and everything on, but she's standing with her arms outstretched on the back of this horse. Right. It was amazing. Cause I thought I couldn't have done that. Well, then her sister calls her and says, I'm not exactly sure what you're teaching my children. And she sent her a picture of her three-year-old son standing on the back of his hobby horse. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's a wonder he didn't fall break his head. But um, yeah, so they're funny. I mean, they're funny, yeah. they're giving, they, they, they help. It's, it's just amazing what these women do. You know, when you said humor is one of your mechanisms, I really believe humor is given to us by the source, by, by God, that humor is, is this wonderful effervescent feeling of love just bubbling over that we're able to laugh in the middle of tragedy. Like sometimes Darlene in the middle of a recovery meeting, sometimes you'll hear a horror story where you're weeping and then suddenly a punchline and you can't stop laughing. And I'm going, what is that? I'm so glad we're allowed to laugh. Yes. And humor has been my, my coping mechanism too. And it, I do believe in the, St. Francis said, wear the world is a loose garment. And I believe in the idea that withdraw your attention from your enemies and they expire from neglect. If prayer is about substituting a thought of, of terror with a thought of love, love casts out fear. So if you're, it's not praying to get rid of the fear, it's substituting love for it. That is the way to pray. It's absolutely to, to laugh or to go care for someone else, to volunteer, to think of your loved ones. I mean, that is the the way we get out of our own insanity, gratitude. Gratitude oh, is the quickest great. way out. That's huge. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I mean, your, your, your writings made me laugh because when you got to the point about the thyroid cancer and you said, I didn't care about that. It was stage one. I, me too. I, I was just like, okay. <laughs> That's probably close out the depression, PTSD. I just didn't care. I mean, like, like in, in the first book, I, I, I'm quoting Rocky movies because, you know, it's, I laughed. I said, people may laugh, but you know what? That stuff, that's that stuff helped me. You know, you can laugh all you want, but it helped me. And those were good quotes. I mean, you know, that's how I feel. So you know, you talk like about Rocky movies. Have you seen Tulsa King yet? Yes, love it. Oh, isn't it the best? I mean, having he Sylvester back on the screen is like, oh, I feel is like I'm, really we haven't seen what? it yet. It's yeah. good. I we just started Yellowstone. Sorry, we've been so behind. Oh, that's great. I'm liking that one too. It's so that Beth, I don't like Beth. And you say you are her. You're not her at all. Oh, I am so And you know what? She is, she, she's a great, I mean, she's funny, but she's great because she makes the show. Yeah. She's okay. In the first season though, she's like small. Oh no, no, it gets better. It gets okay. better. Yeah. Oh, she's what, like this last, I don't know. Are you caught up, Vinny, on it? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, how about, how about when Rip said to her this past Sunday, get, get out of the crazy or something. Yeah. What is so yeah. mean. <laughs> and he's funny too. And you, like know, Rip. you know yeah. who his father is? No. Wings Hauser. Cole Hauser is the son of Wings Hauser, the actor. Oh, wait a minute. See, I don't which know one, him. Which one is he? The one, the uh, Rip. Oh, that's Rip? Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. I, his character is really, he's a good Oh, guy. he looks so different. Yes, without the beard. Yeah, so different. Wait, I mean, he doesn't look like he looks in the show. Right, because oh he was on Goodwill Hunting. He was in that when he was, you know, he had no beard. Okay, yeah, I've got to look at her son. Yeah, that's so I but I don't know who that. I don't know who that is. But yeah, so if you saw some stuff he was in, you would know. If you see him in space, okay. you would know. 
Wings Hauser. We all know. I, I should know who that is because I'm an actor. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm a medical professional. I haven't seen him through my ward yet. So I'm, I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know. Him, so. Well, this is really a great interview because you're laughing and you have a, a very yeah. happy looking face and you just have to stay there for your kids and for your purpose in life. I will. And you know what, the gratitude thing I have found works miracles. And a, a lot of times when I would personally, I mean, obviously I have lots of medical friends that, that push me in certain directions, but I had one guy that would just tell me, you need to write down every day, 10 things that you're grateful for. And every day that you make that list, one thing has to change. So believe me, when you start doing that, at least when I started doing that, yeah, it was amazing how I would do that first thing in the morning. And just to even think that I'm breathing without a ventilator, to think that I'm moving my hand. I mean, I talk with my hands. That's the Italian gestures, right? And, and I can do it. I mean, I can do it. I can put my fingers together. I can move my head. I can see you guys. I mean, there's so many things to be thankful for. And I'll tell you what, 18 years ago, I said, I don't have anything to be thankful for. And this guy mm. looked at me and he said, you're sucking air, aren't you? That's great. I love that. And, you know, I kind of, I, I just was kind of like, I won't say on air what I thought in my brain, but it was like sucking air. But now today I know exactly what that meant. I just did an interview last week with Dave Stevens and he's a seven time Emmy award winning ESPN sportscaster who was born with no legs. And he is the most positive, dynamic human being. You would never know he has no legs from the waist up. And he's head of ability, disability media at Quinnipiac University. And he's so dynamic. And here I'm complaining over a, a broken fingernail or a, a bad day, or I didn't finish writing my book. Or, you know, I had some hardship in my life and had some tragedies, major ones. But everything that I went through made me somehow more loving toward others more compassionate mm -hmm. and somehow pinch myself to believe I got out of it without killing somebody or but this guy walks around you know he played football he, right. he played football he was like a the most positive cute adorable and he's 10 years younger than I am and I'm like wow I wish I could be like you and then I heard about a woman who had cancer and she was told to do a gratitude list like you said Every day for 90 days, think of add one more thing to be grateful for to each day. And she drowned out the negative so powerfully. She kept adding more to be grateful for. The cancer went away because it, a brain, her, her mind couldn't hold anything else but the good. Right. And the good is all that's really real. The, 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 the liar, the serpent is a fiction. Right. The tissue of lies. The right. lie isn't real. The lie right. of disease. No, it's not. And you know, here, here's the other thing, because and Vinny, this is for you. I mean, I know that Lydia's heard this story before, but my neighbor had cancer and she kind of reclused and she wasn't coming around for a couple months, maybe three while she was in treatment and all that. And one night she called me and she's like, can you come over? Well, absolutely. You know, I dropped everything. I went over and we were sitting there and we were praying and we were talking and she was talking about her journey and she, you know, the medications had caused her to lose her hair. She gained like 70 pounds. She couldn't breathe. It was awful. And she was sitting in her husband's easy chair and she had on this oversized sweatshirt 
And so when our time was up because she was getting tired, she says, would you mind praying with me? And I said, not at all. And as I kneeled beside her chair, she pulled up her sleeve and she's like, and tomorrow I have to deal with this. And she had a chemo burn on her arm, which is like a very serious burn. And they were going to do skin grafts the next day, right? She was going in for that. And I looked and I said, oh my goodness. And, and so my prayer out loud kind of was, you know what, God, come on. The girl's going through so much. We're praying, we're talking to you. We want, we want to know what this is about. We want to be connected to our higher power. We want to just whatever. And I said, you can't, can't you heal this. And she started laughing. She goes, I can't believe that you just did that. I said, well, what are you going to do? You know? So the next morning, six o'clock, I wake up, there's an email in my inbox from her and I'm thinking, okay, she's going to thank me for, you know, coming over. She writes and she does, she thanks me. And then she said, the chemo burn is gone. <laughs> I, I ran up my stairs, got on my knees beside my bed and said, please forgive me for being so disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of like, Hey, you know, can you do something? Anyway, she went, now this is how God works though. She went to the hospital to her appointment, was waiting. The physician, the surgeon that was going to take care of her was an atheist. He comes in. He goes, okay, let me see the chemo burn. She pulls up her sleeve. He looks at her. He goes, no, I want to see the chemo burn. Now, she, the arm was pink, but that's all that was left. She pulls up both sleeves and he goes, he's looking at his chart. He's looking at her. He goes, where's the burn? She said, my neighbor. And she kind of told him, I just told you. And he goes, he goes, is your neighbor a witch? <laughs> no, she's an earth practitioner. I love it. And anyway, about 28 people ended up cycling through that room to look at this event that had no words for it. it nobody can explain it other than it being a miracle. Yeah. Right. And so I know, like yeah. I've had these experiences where I can look people in the eye and say, I know that there's something. I know it's powerful. I choose to call that God. Some people choose to call it a higher power. It doesn't matter what you call it. Just pull and rely on it. You know what I mean? Actually, I believe that miracles are natural law. I don't believe that they are a, a juxtaposition or a, a strange intervention into nature. I think nature is supposed to be this way. We just don't know it. We just aren't in the flow of it and we're not accepting it. We're so startled by it. And if we were to practice it, you have to believe in it. Exactly. Wayne Dyer says, if you believe it, you'll see it. Right. Right. See it when you believe it. And that's really as simple as it is, but we don't trust and we have to practice. And I think a lot of people aren't hearing those messages like we used to. I'm not sure about that, but I just like this show, this, this podcast, I think is so hugely important to be getting this type of thing back out to people again. Um, yeah. I'm not hearing the positive. It, it seems like every time I listen to something, it's always about what's going on in the world negative. Oh, I'm so sick of it. Right? I, I just don't hear anything positive. I'm going to resign from the debating society now. And anything political, it's hard. But uh, right and wrong, I don't need my opinion anymore. It's like I, good is real. And there's this other thing going on, which is always yelling at causing turmoil if you focus on the good that becomes bigger what you focus on grows and so Vinny, with your case of that whenever you dip back into depression which we all do believe you know i went through it last night i somebody said in a meeting the other day the vultures were circling in my brain all night 
of what I didn't achieve or accomplish this week and how lazy I got and how I got into turmoil over all sorts of weird things. That isn't my real self. My real self is made of love and beauty and goodness and whatever I'm doing in the moment, I'm going to accept it and then turn it over to my higher, turn it over to God and say, let go of letting go of my worry. Worry gets me nowhere and let love guide me. And when my thoughts are guided by love, I make right decisions. And when I have a conflict with a friend, if I, if I'm quiet and still, and I say, what's the most loving thing I could do? Maybe it's keep my mouth shut. And then I'm guided to not be an asshole or a jerk to that person. And sometimes I can be pretty high and mighty with people. But I, mean, um, I think when we go back to our childhoods and I know that you're probably younger than I am, Vinny, but you probably remember hearing count to 10 before you do anything, right? Yes. And that gives us time to count to 10 before we say anything. And sometimes I end up not saying it, you know, or walk away. Um, and all those things seem to help. Yeah. You know, versus and the whole political, the whole political landscape of the world. You know what? I got to tell you, maybe, maybe because I'm not involved in like a political science major or anything like that, <clears throat> I can't keep up with it. I don't understand it. It confuses me. And therefore, this is all I know is right. when George Washington signed our declaration, no, was it the Declaration of Independence? With the John Hancock too, and with uh, Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson. And you, and do you guys, I mean, I just want to ask this question. Do you know where that happened? Vinny, this is your question. <laughs> oh no, it's a uh, test. It's a test. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what most people don't. Most people say Philadelphia. Yeah, I was gonna say. It happened in New York City. Oh. And, if you, and if you look at Wall Street, on the corner of Wall Street is that statue of George Washington, because that is the build. Well, it's not there anymore. The building isn't there because Wall Street's there. But that was the building that those 12 men signed that paper in. And then they walked across the street to, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's St. Something Episcopalian Church. Mm -hmm. And they prayed. And when the Twin Towers were hit and they went down, that church became ground zero base where everybody from the nation was coming. And that picket fence that was around that church held all the, all the pictures of people. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that, I think we were one nation created under God. Those men worked, they had a job and they were trying to help people help people by running a country. It wasn't a business. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I can't get involved with politics today because I don't even understand what people are doing. Yeah, you're right. You know, it doesn't make sense. We're basically fighting fascism versus, you know, democracy. But George Washington did not sign the Declaration of Independence while the Continental Congress assembled in Philadelphia. Washington and his forces were in New York. So what you're talking about is the Continental Congress. Was it the Declaration of Independence or what was the Constitution? I think so. Vinny, we're going to test you on this later. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the Constitution. They signed something. But I guess yeah, I remember, I don't remember. That. I got a little brain damage, so I don't remember. <laughs> you have a good excuse. But you know what? You live in the perfect place to, to like take a tour and go up to Wall Street and just look at that statue. In New Jersey. <laughs> and check it out. Well, are you close? Are you like over the bridge from New York City or you're yeah. not so close? I go when I... 
when I go to Columbus Presbyterian for my checkups, it's like less than an hour. It's over for Washington Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, you go. You have the perfect chance to just, and then then we'll have you back on the show, and you can come back and report to us. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a test. I, I'm gonna look this up, and we're gonna do a show on it later. I apologize for not knowing either, but anyway, Lydia is probably looking at me, going, "Where did she go on this show?" <laughs> I you know, love you the saying, show. You were saying about how you you accept everything now. You have to accept everything, and I, you know, I believe that too because. Anything that comes my way, good or bad, I accept it. And if it's something bad, I just, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to get over it. I'm just going to overcome it because I know I'm going to do something to get over it. That's how I am now. You have a goal. And I know your goal is to get back home with your kids, right? So is that when you quit your job or is it? That's why I make my movie. Oh, <laughs> there, you there you go. We'll cameo. I mean, do you need yeah. Or something else. I told Lily she could be in it. <laughs> That's right. I'll be. I say, you know what? I'm I'm friends with a lot of actors and actresses on Facebook, and and they're all like the '80s because I, I mean I love the '80s. You know, every, we're all from the '80s, so yeah. I would love for all of them to be in it. You know, everybody, all the actors, are... <laughs> all the actors from the '80s. <laughs> Listen, I'm well, really proud of you because I I didn't I was not in that room. <laughs> She's younger than I am, so. Not I don't hard. believe in age. I'm, I really believe. I'm 56, so. Oh, you're younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of my best friends are 56 and 57. I don't understand why that is. But I've always been very immature. Not that you are. but That's good. Um, it keeps you actually young. Actually keeps you young. Right. Being playful, doesn't it? Right. It, yeah. does. it does. So where does worry and fear come from? The, the things that they're churned up. I don't know what endocarditis is caused from. I don't really want to believe in a source outside of good that creates all these things. It's like, then you're giving mortal, you're giving materialism a source. You get, if, if we were created to have a disease and a, and a pill for every body part, then we're not really living our full lives, are we? And there's so many diseases nowadays. The more we focus on disease and we almost worship it. Right. Like that's another God to us in a weird way. Um, but that's why I believe in kind of taking your attention off the actual obsession with disease and focusing on the love that created right. you and all the good things. So when you're in depression, what's your quickest way out? Talk to my sons. Talk to your sons. Okay. Or Skype them. And so making them your higher power, what someday you're going to have to think of them as, I mean, they're not your savior, are they? Or they, you call them your savior? Well, they, you know, God, yes, God saved me, but they also saved me because they they pushed me to overcome everything and get be better and, and heal. They did, and the love that they gave you. Right. You're right. They're they're my they're my purpose. That's how I look at it. Beautiful. And um, you know, I won't stop until I get back to Florida and be with them. You know, they always say, your dad, you get your own place when we move in with you. I'm like, um, you're more than welcome. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I know they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get old, they're gonna have their own family. So then so then now I have to think of another coping mechanism or exactly. So maybe and I will. I will. The higher power is this invisible force that it's bizarrely enough that you can lean on without it being a specific person. I mean, right. that love is there forever. 
with your sons. Well, you what know, you then I'll have grandkids so I could, you know, work, focus on them. If you let your kids out of the house to go up and get married and have kids. <laughs> you yeah, know, my youngest does, never wants to leave. Uh, my oldest, yeah, he'll eventually, you know. I mean, they're all going to, they're both going to eventually leave, but. I know. They have to, you know, they have their own life. When you have grandkids, that is, I mean, I never thought, I never thought that was possible that you would feel more love than you feel with your children. But just this very day, I picked my four-year-old grandson up from school. It was the day that I just took half a day off and I picked him up and we went to lunch and we were talking about some things. So he has an older sister and older brother. And I said, um, I said something about what, what is Max? He goes, Max is the oldest. And I says, what is Mia? He goes, Mia is in the middle. I said, what are you? He goes, I'm happy. I said, Jeff, honey, you got that right. You're the baby. You're, you're going to be the happiest. <laughs> Love it. So they're really cute. So cute. But, and um, you should be grateful because my son, it's like pulling teeth to get him to call me. I'm always like, he texted me yesterday and I'm like, look at this, look at this text. I mean, I just show the whole world. I didn't call you yet, Darlene. I've got 400 people to call because he texted me finally after nine yeah. weeks of nothing. Actually, he wished me a happy Thanksgiving, but it's very rare. Yeah. You're lucky. You, you are yeah. lucky. You are. Yeah, yeah. I have a son that's, that's my oldest son. I haven't spoken to him in 18 months. Wow. I know that's, that's a tough one. And you know what? I, every day I have to just let it go and realize that there's a greater purpose in all of this. I don't know what it is. And it's painful. Three of my grandchildren are involved in this, my daughter-in-law and in and, and, and 18 months crickets. Oh yeah. Sorry about that. It's so confusing when, when, when you get that silence, that's something we should really discuss one day on solutions for how to cope with the unknown but that was certainly unknown i mean we had we had an event here in august of 2021 i flew the whole family back from san diego there was like 50 people here for a summertime pool party it was a lovely event and on the last day some things went south and no word since then period oh my god and and I'm the only person that's not being spoken to in the whole family, just me. And I'm the mama. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, so what's that? We, we could go, well, we could talk about this because it has a lot to do with false accusations, strange silences. Once you get really still and you go within, and I think meditation, meaning listening for, for God's thoughts, which is being very still and shutting off the human mortal primitive reptilian brain that likes to squirrel cage and tell us all these negative things all day long. When you shut that off and you just listen and you're very still, you hear the higher thoughts and then yeah. you can kind of have a knowing and you can, you get answers that way. Ask specifically what is going on with them and really meditate. Meditation is listening and prayer is asking. Right. So I, you, like, I'm just not getting any answers. You know what I'm saying from anybody? And I'm not going to take up any time with that. It was just, I brought that up because of any of you being so fortunate that yeah. those two boys have been so close to you and, and been your pillars of strength when you couldn't be, and that you have that really good relationship with them, you know? So through all of this medical stuff, the love between you and your two children obviously grew immensely, which is such a blessing. Yeah. You know? And they know 
they're happy that they know that I think that they're my saviors and they're happy to be that way because they want me to be fine. They want me to be healthy. They wanted me to be around for as long as I can for them. And, you know, whatever they had to do, they'll, they're going to do for me. And, you know, and just like what I, you know, I do everything for them. I mean, you know, when I go down there, you know, you know, we do, you know, they're always, we're always out of the house. We're doing all kinds of things, you know, we're into the escape rooms are pretty cool to do. You know, we'll go to movies, we go to the beach for a couple of days. Um, you know, like when they come up here, we, we've gone to New York. Um, we also go to the beach up here and, you know, we're always doing something, you know, together and they, you know, you know, we're all, we're always laughing in that. And that's, that's like the best part. I see that they're enjoying themselves and they're laughing and I'll make them happy. And that's, that's all I need. That's all I need. You know, I, you know, I, I could put myself in debt, whatever. My kids are happy. It's well worth it. Wow. God bless you. Did you say skate rooms? Escape. Escape rooms. What are those? Those are rooms that, um, they, they, they're like, say they're about, um, the mad professor. So you, you have to find, you have to go through these room and look for clues to, to get to the end, to solve something. Oh. And you, you got to do it all in an hour. And if oh. you need help, you just tell the person you need help. And, the, you know, cause they're watching you and they'll, they'll help you. An and alternate reality kind of a game. Yes. It's all different kinds of rooms and they're really cool. I mean, uh, we love them. I never and even my son told me because there's another one that just opened up a new one. Like I got, we'll book it when I'm down there. So. Okay, so we're coming down to Florida to go to an escape room with you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, oh, it's, it's, a, it's actually it's a Christmas escape room too. Something, some Granny's Christmas or something. Oh, fun! So, but they're 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 really fun. So, hey, Darlene and I might. I'm just thinking we should start a cruise ship fun get together with all of our guests someday. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be fun? And, 80, and 80s actors and actresses. Yes, and a Godshot <laughs> cruise. <laughs> Yeah, that, would, that would that would be what I you know what this is this is growing it's yeah. growing and, and we met like in a very odd fashion and it's grown ever since and you know we started out like not liking each other much and then we've <laughs> I'm just kidding and then we've grown into having guests that we're talking to with really severe issues that they've they've overcome and it's just it's a wonderful testimony yeah to, totally to the higher power and God shots just to God shots yeah so, synchronicity absolutely but it's been a pleasure having you Vinny, and having you with us this evening and learning a little bit about you i'm excited to actually see both of your books and read them because obviously i haven't in a 24-hour period but i am anxious to do that and it's just been a pleasure meeting you where can you buy your books and pick pull them up again you can buy them at amazon and barnes and noble lost life what Barnes and Noble online. They don't have them at the stores. Barnes and Noble online and Amazon.com online. Struggling to Survive and Lost Life by Vinnie Keller. And I'll put up the the information on the intro and under the the podcast. And this will be on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. We'll have it worldwide and on Anchor, Apple, Apple iTunes, Podcasts, Spotify, all over the place. So we'll post it soon. And Darlene and I are doing a Christmas show. So come back next week. Thank week you after. so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Vinny. Have a wonderful Christmas with your children and your family. And go to New York at the edge of Wall Street. Let me know what you find. <laughs> <Thank> you <very laughs> much.
Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See you soon. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you, Darren.